A few weeks ago, the Canadian Prime Minister Stephen Harper stood before the Israeli Knesset and bravely spoke the truth. We would like to reference a piece of that speech. The understanding that it is right to support Israel because after generations of persecution, the Jewish, Jewish people deserve their own homeland and deserve to live safe, safely and peacefully in that homeland. Now let me repeat that. Canada supports Israel fundamentally because it is right to do so. Those who scorn modernity, those who loathe the liberty of others, and those who hold the differences of peoples and cultures and religions in contempt. Those who often begin by hating the Jews, but history shows, up, shows us, end up hating everyone who is not like them. Canada finds it deplorable that some in the international community still question the legitimacy of the existence of the State of Israel. Our view that Israel's right to exist as a Jewish state is absolute and non-negotiable. Mr. Harper rose to the challenge made by the prophets for the Tarshish nations to be the protectors and supporters of Israel. However, he also made a brave warning about the growing hatred that is arising around the world for the Jews. Unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, we live in a world where that kind of moral relativism today runs rampant. And in the garden of such moral relativism, the seeds of a much more sinister notion can easily be planted. And so we have written, witnessed in recent years the mutation of the old disease of anti-Semitism and the emergence of a new strain. We all know about the old anti-Semitism. It was crude and ignorant, and it led to the horrors of the death camps. Of course, in many dark corners, it is still with us. But in much of the Western world, the old hatred has been translated into more sophisticated language for use in polite society. People who would never say they hate and blame the Jews for their own failings or the problems of the world instead declare their hatred of Israel and blame the only Jewish state for the problems of the Middle East. As once Jewish businesses were boycotted, some civil society leaders today call for a boycott of Israel. On some campuses, intellectualized arguments against Israeli policies thinly mask underlying realities, such as the shunning of Israeli academics and the harassment of Jewish citizens. Most disgracefully of all, some openly call Israel an apartheid state. Now think about that statement. Think about the twisted logic and a state based on freedom, democracy, and the rule of law, founded so that Jews can flourish as Jews and seek shelter from the shadow of the worst racist experiment in history, that is condemned and it is condemned in language, in the mass language of anti-racism. But this is the face of the new anti-Semitism. It targets the Jewish people by targeting Israel and attempts to make the old bigotry acceptable to a new generation. Mr. Harper made reference to the boycott of Jewish businesses that began the horror of the Holocaust. 
In the book, The World Must Know, the official publication of the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum, the steps taken in the 1930s to dehumanize the Jews are outlined. We read, The official persecution of the Jews began on April 1, 1933. At 10 o'clock on that Saturday morning, the Nazis initiated a boycott of Jewish businesses and shops in cities and towns throughout Germany. Until then, actions against the Jews had been individual and sporadic. The boycott was the first salvo into a nationwide campaign against the entire Jewish community. Stormtroopers were stationed menacingly in the front of Jewish-owned shops. The Star of David was painted in yellow and black across thousands of doors and windows. Signs were posted saying, Germans, defend yourselves. Don't buy from Jews, or the Jews are our misfortune, or simply Jude, meaning Jew. On March 26th, Hitler summoned Joseph Goebbels, now the Minister of Public Enlightenment and Propaganda. Goebbels described Hitler's instruction... We must proceed to a large-scale boycott of Jewish businesses in Germany. Perhaps the foreign Jews will think better of the matter when their racial comrades in Germany begin to get it in the neck. Well, this was the beginning, and the book continues. A week later, the government announced the first in a series of laws singling out Jews. The civil service law of April 7, 1933 dismissed all non-Aryans from the civil service, including notaries and teachers in state schools. It was the first of 400 separate pieces of legislation enacted between 1933 and 1939 that defined, isolated, excluded, and segregated the impoverished German Jews." And so, the seeds of the Holocaust began to grow until six million had perished in the gas chambers and the death camps of Europe. The world, especially Catholic Europe, though, has learnt nothing. After repeated judgments brought by God on Catholic Europe throughout the centuries, the book of Revelation states they repented not of their deeds in chapter 16, verse 11. Catholic Europe remains unrepentant. In fact, Canada's Globe and Mail reported on February 4, 2014, the international campaign to boycott Israel is gathering strength and is already affecting the Jewish state. In Europe, the boycott of some Israeli products has begun, according to Mr. Lapid, Israel's finance minister. The article continues, Institutionally, there are already num- numerous examples of divestment. In December, the Netherlands' largest pension fund decided to withdraw all its investments from Israel's five largest banks because they have branches in the West Bank or are involved in financing construction in the settlements. In January, Norway's Minister of Finance announced it would exclude two Israeli firms from its vast government pension fund due to serious violations of individual rights through the construction of settlements in East Jerusalem. Beginning this year, Israeli projects seeking EU funding also had to stipulate they operate solely within the country's pre-1967 borders and not in East Jerusalem, West Bank, or in the Golan Heights. End of quote. Arat Sheva also reported, two of the largest banks in Northern Europe have announced they will boycott Israeli banks because they operate in occupied territories, the Wala. The two banks in question are the Swedish Nordia Bank, which is the largest bank in Scandinavia, and the Norwegian Danks Bank, which is the largest bank in Denmark. End quote. So the old Nazi boycott is being revived across Europe. One of the policies of the Reich was to label all Jews with a yellow star of David so that they could could be publicly identified. 
Again, the nations of Europe have repented not. AFP, the French news agency, reported on February 1, 2014 that initiatives in Europe to require separate labeling for goods manufactured in the settlements were gathering pace every time Israel announced a new round of construction. So what will that labeling be? A yellow star of David? The issue? Well, Jews are living in the West Bank. Their ancient and biblical homeland. How dare they? Judenrein was a policy of the Nazi government in Germany to make Europe cleansed of Jews. This was the purpose of the Holocaust, to exterminate the existence of the Jewish race from European soil. The same policy has been adopted by the Palestinian Authority, who would like portions of Israel to be Jew-free if they achieve a Palestinian state. The Jerusalem Post, in an article entitled A Judenrein Palestine on January 27, 2014, reported of the PA authority Abbas. While in Egypt and speaking in Arabic, Abbas said something very different. In a final resolution, we would not see the presence of a single Israeli civilian or soldier on our land. And that was in July 29, 2013. As reported last week, there are now 700,000 Israeli settlers on the mountains of Israel, biblically known as Judea and Samaria, but today called the West Bank. Europe is determined to see this area cleansed of Jews, or Judenrein, as the Nazis used to call it. Well, ironically, in his opening statement at the commencement of the Nuremberg trial of Nazi war criminals such as Heinrich Himmler, Justice Jackson stated the following... The privilege of opening the first trial in history for crimes against the peace of the world imposes a grave responsibility. The wrongs which we seek to condemn and punish have been so calculated, so malignant and so devastating that civilization cannot tolerate their being ignored because it cannot survive their being repeated. And yet these wrongs are not only being tolerated and ignored, they are being repeated all over the world and especially in Catholic Europe. And again in America. America's Catholic Secretary of State, John Kerry, while addressing a conference in Munich, Germany, about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict in the Middle East, stated the following. For Israel, the stakes are also enormously high. Do they want a failure that then begs whatever may come in the form of a response from disappointed Palestinians and the Arab community? What happens to the Arab Peace Initiative if this fails? Does it disappear? What happens for Israel's capacity to be the Israel it is today, a democratic state with the particular special Jewish character that is a central part of uh, the narrative and of the future? What happens to that? I believe that, uh, and, and you see for Israel, there's an increasing delegitimization campaign that has been building up. People are very sensitive to it. There are talk of boycotts and other kinds of things. Are we all going to be better with all of that? A very different speech from Stephen Harper, who saw international boycott as reminiscent of the anti-Semitic Nazi policies of years gone by. Instead of repudiating such rhetoric, John Kerry is using it as a pressure tool to threaten Israel. 
In fact, Kerry arrogantly stated the solution has already been found. It's just a question of how you force the parties to agree to his view. After all of these years, after Y, after Madrid, after Oslo, after Taba, after Camp David, after everything that has gone on, I doubt there's anyone sitting here who doesn't actually know pretty much what a final status agreement actually looks like. The question is, how do you get there? What we are seeing are the seeds of hate that will fan the flames of the coming conflagration. There are voices in America which see the administration's action as being inflammatory and setting the stage for the eventual invasion of Israel. Glenn Beck, in his program Blaze, clearly indicts the Obama administration. They are looking for a justification to get into Israel and deal with Israel themselves. The president has been softening the ground, helping pave the way, his entire presidency for this. And all of the people involved, they're all the people involved with the boycott. And the president's been humiliating Benjamin Netanyahu. He has called for the return to the 67 borders. He slammed Israeli settlements. He has supported the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt, the overthrow, which made everything much more unstable. He gave the Muslim Brotherhood membership, uh, VIP treatment, access to the White House. He actually had members of the Muslim Brotherhood in the White House. He has members of the Muslim Brotherhood that are touring our homeland security. It's clear what side the administration is on. It's clear what side of the bed they're crawling in with. And it ain't Israel. This administration believes Israel is the problem. And when there is a real global war, whose side do you think this administration will, will be on? Israel? Or will we see maybe uh, a new ambassador, Samantha Power, who will con- convene an international peacekeeping force to send into Israel to impose a solution. When the hammer comes down on Israel, and believe me, it's going to, it is because this administration is setting up a bogus boycott themselves. This is directly from the White House again. Glenn's Beck vision of who will invade Israel in the latter days is out of sync with the scriptures. However, the policies of the current administration are setting the legal and moral pretense for an invasion. It will just be by the Russo-European contingency, not America. America's role will have to be reversed once again, because in the end, they are one of the protesting nations that make up the merchants of Tarshish and all the young lions thereof, Ezekiel 38 verse 13. Beck also pointed out that one of the organizations threatening the boycott of Israel is Oxfam, who John Kerry's wife just happens to have donated millions of dollars to. The scriptures clearly state that the Battle of Armageddon, recorded in Ezekiel 38, Joel 3, Zechariah 14, and other passages, is an anti-Semitic attack. It is an attack against them that are at rest. Consider the words of the prophet in Ezekiel 38, verse 14. Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say unto Gog, Thus saith the Lord God, In the day when my people of Israel dwell safely, shalt thou not know it? And again in verse 16, Thou shalt come up against my people of Israel as a cloud to cover the land, and it shall be in the latter days, and I will bring thee against my land, that the heathen may know me, when I shall be sanctified in thee, O Gog, before their eyes. Well, the target of this attack is what God calls my people Israel. And this is what God takes issue with when we read Joel 3. 
Verse 1, For behold, in those days and at that time, when I bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem, I will also gather all nations and will bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat, and will plead with them there for my people and for my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. And they have cast lots for my people, and have given a boyfriend harlot and sold a girl for wine that they might drink. Well, the prophet paints a very clear picture of what the nations will do when they come into the land. Life will be very cheap once again. Jewish life, that is. That is Jewish life centered in the West Bank, in the mountains of Israel, and around the city of Jerusalem. We read in Zechariah 14, verse 1, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, the houses rifled, the women ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity. But the residue of my people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations, as when he fought in the day of battle. Because it is at this point in time that the God of heaven will intervene in the affairs of mankind very visibly. We read in Ezekiel 38, verse 18, It shall come to pass at the same time when Gog shall come against the land of Israel, saith the Lord God, that my fury shall come up in my face. God will put an end to the persecution of his people when the king comes and sits in Mount Zion, on the mountains of Israel, in Judea, the covenanted land that was promised to Abraham, to Isaac, to Israel, and their descendants perpetually. We read in Joel 3, verse 16, The Lord also shall roar out of Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem, and the heavens and the earth shall shake. But the Lord will be the hope of his people and the strength of the children of Israel. This day cannot come soon enough. When Israel will be redeemed, there truly will be peace in the Middle East, as Isaiah tells us. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the water covers the sea. This has been Jonathan Bowen joining you for the Bible in the News.